and welcome to the Existentialist Cucumber flashback episode. This episode was originally recorded back in April 9th of 2020. Uh, Curtis and I thought it'd be fun to kind of dig up some of our lo-fi episodes for you to hear, so this is one of them. It's uh, during WrestleMania weekend, uh, while Curtis and I were still doing our Simpsons March Madness episode breakdown, and we have our special guest, Aaron Dunn. So, hope you enjoy it. And welcome to the Existentialist Cucumber. This is Larry Wu. It's Curtis Withers. And how are you doing this week, Curtis? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, um, you know, finished my first week of work and uh, all, went, uh, all went pretty well. Uh, you know, this is uh, uh, a week where uh, I've been trying to limit my grocery shopping uh, and doing it as almost like a strategic maneuver where I've got the grocery store layout pretty much memorized so I can do the quickest circuit through and get only the essentials and then get out. <laughs> look at look uh, at look at you, SEAL Team Six. Nice job. <laughs> okay, we got a, we got a, we got a packed show today, so why don't we get cut to it? Um, I wanted to kind of bring this up. I know we were we were talking in previous episodes about doing a wrestling episode, but I have to bring this one up earlier. Um, and this is WrestleMania. So for those that don't watch professional wrestling, uh, for me, it's been, a, 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 I've been, haven't watched in years until my son started watching it. And I thought, okay, well this, I, you know, I used to watch it quite a bit. I can sit and watch this. And I started kind of getting back into it, watching it with him. So WrestleMania is their big pay-per-view. Um, they do every year. It's usually like 60,000 people stadium seats. They never do it in a small spot unless they do some, you know, uh, special spot at Madison Square Gardens. But really, it's 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 a huge event. Uh, big money for them. Big show. But here we are in today's world. Those, those rules have changed. So the last month, I guess, um, both television shows have been filmed in Florida only, no audience, and it sounded like WrestleMania was going to carry over to that format, and they did. They started doing WrestleMania, no audience. Now, it's not a live show like it has been in previous years. Everything was pre-recorded. I don't know how many weeks back, but it's 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 all pre-recorded, and they put the show together, and, you know, just like WWE fashion everything was quite seamless like if you weren't didn't know you would have just thought it just looked like one seamless show obviously without the pyro they were in this uh their their performance center with basically where they film nxt um and it was quite quite an interesting show but aside from the matches without the crowds which is part of the entertainment i would think curtis you you and i have been to many shows and wrestlemania here in toronto the crowd it plays a huge role in 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 the, in the whole atmosphere and the way they engage and, and the way it's part of the the product. Yeah, like Russell, the WrestleMania we saw here, which I believe was was it eighteen. I um, think so. Yeah, and that was the one uh, with a. It wasn't even the main event, but it was like the, the marquee match for for all intents and purposes it was The Rock versus Hulk Hogan, and. Um, Without the crowd, that match is is terrible because it's, <laughs> it's 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 two guys who who are entertaining personalities, not great wrestlers. Um, sort of go, particularly Hogan going at it, but the crowd was so essential to the storyline because Hulk Hogan at the time was was a heel wrestler, like a bad wrestler, but the crowd refused to boo him and. And uh, kudos to both wrestlers. They basically heard what the crowd wanted and changed their personas to fit the narrative that the crowd created. So I don't, I don't know how you do something like WrestleMania without a crowd. So, so uh, what what uh, what did you find? So they definitely did a much stronger job with kind of in-ring story because they had no choice. But the good thing about it is they are able to bring i guess they were brought boom mics close to the ring which is kind of weird because you can actually hear the wrestlers taunt each other which is you never hear that right they, they're usually just you know doing their thing facial expressions you might hear the awe, awe but they are basically given uh 
um, you know, free reign to start screaming at each other and, and taunting each other. So that was interesting. Uh, the, the pacings of the matches were obviously faster because you, you, you just have to. Um, so shout outs to the Kofi Kingston, Jimmy Uso, Jim Morrison match. That was a ladder match. <laughs> and they, the pacing those guys went through was like crazy. Like, I don't think there was a single rest for any of them or it was just so, so fast. Um, but the one thing I want to bring up and, and it wasn't just, no, no audience. That was one factor is the final match of the night. And I, don't really want to call it a match because I'm sure wrestling fans, the hardcore wrestling fans will probably are up in arms about it because it was obviously pre-recorded. It was out in a field that was supposed to be made to look like a cemetery, which had like a, a barn like structure. And it was, um, it came off more like a cinematic and not a wrestling match, even though, you recognize the two guys that are in it. They were, again, talking to each other. They were doing their fights. They they did whatever signature move they could do because there were no ropes. There was no ref. Um, but it told a really, really good story, for especially for what The Undertaker... Because I think he's messed up. I, I don't know his injuries, but I can't see... Like, how old is Mark Calloway now? And how long is it... How long has he been? He's like late fifties, I think. <laughs> so he came out as Biker Taker, yeah. which is one of my favorite personas that he had. So he came out to uh, a Metallica song. It must be a recent one because I didn't. It didn't uh, ring a bell with me. But he comes rolling in on the on the bike. They go at it. AJ's taunting him for being an old man and and you know his tarnished legacy and. Um, AJ Styles should be noted as also no spring chicken. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, you know, one's called the Phenomenal One and one's called the Phenom. So that was kind of an interesting <laughs> thing. Any case, so the fight goes on. Chips are down with uh, Undertaker. He's panting and you can hear him. And that's when AJ's like taunting him. He hits Undertaker with the shovel. He goes into the grave, which the match doesn't end until someone throws dirt on them. I guess I don't know what the rules are. But of course, AJ goes to the tractor that's nicely set up there. He turns on the engine and... Of course, bright light comes in nowhere, and Undertaker's actually behind him, and you know, introduce Mystic uh, Undertaker, and that's that's his version of hulking up, I guess. And then uh, there's a big schmozzle fight, and the fight ends with AJ um, taking the loss, and he gets buried alive, buried alive. Um, and Undertaker like leaving does like the last ride fist in the air and Pyro goes off in the barn and the Undertaker symbol appears. It's, that, that part got a little cheesy for me, but it was a nice little touch. But, you know, again, it, it was just weird because I'm watching this going, okay, I'm kind of liking this. It's not wrestling, but it just looked like something that you would film and see on a, a TV show, you know, because A, they're, they're already stuntmen that know how to fight and make it look real. So they, they did a good job doing that, but definitely unique, right? It's a... Uh, um, what I find interesting, though, is uh, about it, too, is uh, uh, Vince McMahon will not let a world event get in the way of his putting putting content on, especially if no one else is doing it. Um, I remember uh, the, the Thursday, I think it was the Thursday after 9-11, they went. They when nobody was doing anything, they they uh, did a SmackDown, yeah, and tried to put in as much like Americana, we will not surrender kind of stuff. It's like, really, I think he just wanted to make a bunch of money because he had a captive audience. And I would think this is the same thing. Like you have big sponsors saying we put in a lot of money to put on this show. You're supposed to do it at, I think they were supposed to do it at some stadium in Hollywood. I think that was the, the, the original spot. Um, but we'll see. It, but the interesting thing, they broke it out into two nights. So you get your money's worth if you originally bought your tickets. So you'll that was last night. And then tonight is another series of matches. So we'll see where that takes us uh, coming in this evening. But um, definitely unique. And again, we will uh, have to have a, a wrestling segment. I had a, a really bizarre idea i was thinking about trying to email uh steve d'souza oh yeah you remember steve yeah. right stevie d 
He's out in New York, yeah. He's out in New York doing it for the CBC. Yeah. But he was also yeah. par- he was also part of our original wrestling crew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was wondering yeah. I was wondering if he was interested at all in coming on and to, on our wrestling segment one day. Just talk that. We don't want to ask him about his day job. Or what he he's... might be. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be, I know how to get in touch with him, so we should uh, we should see if he's interested. Well, yeah, well, uh, it, that'll be for another time. But uh, any case, let's go on to our next segment. The babysitting agency sent me. Um, they didn't give me your name. Some say they are cold and glassy. Some say Some say they need too much sugar. But the name Told you masks were a bad idea. And that is a little segment from our next guest, who is writer, story editor, creative producer. He's worked with the big Cartoon Network, CDC, Disney XD, Nickelodeon, Treehouse, CBC Kids, an all-round handsome man, Aaron Dunn. Hey, Aaron. Nice nice hey. to be on. Like, have you on the show? Thank you. Aaron, Long time, how's it going? Good. How are you? Long-time listener, first-time uh, caller. <laughs> uh, thank, thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it. Um, and appreciate your time to come onto the show with us. Hey, my, my pleasure. And that was actually a world premiere um, I've never actually shown uh, that uh, animatic uh, on any sort of distribution platform <laughs> at this point. So, Whoa. thank you for that. And, uh, there you go, exclusive. Exclusive, exclusive. <laughs> Uncle Rody, one of my uh, one of my sort of long gestating projects. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, this is this is cool. Thanks for thanks for having. No, me. no, no problem. So, Aaron, as we're talking, kind of um, off. Uh, we were talking about how the COVID-19 has been affecting other industries and especially in the entertainment industries with movies being postponed, production stopped everywhere. I think um, if anyone's watching, watches Kim's convenience, um, the guy who plays Jung, who is in the next Marvel movie, I think is actually stuck in Australia when they were doing some shooting down there for the movie. So, you know, when all of rest of Hollywood and entertainment sports, Basically, anything we consume on TV is grind to a halt. There's always animation, which doesn't require you to be in one in the same spot as the animators. And the animators now, to this day, are no longer sitting in one giant room, passing pieces of paper and cell back and forth to each other. Just wondering if you can kind of give us your take on how the last couple of weeks has affected your industry or not. Yeah, I, I, personally, I am as busy as I have been for the last sort of, I'd say, 18, 18 months. Um, this has really not directly impacted me uh, yet. And a lot of the people that I'm working with um, are, are basically still moving forward. I actually have a project a web series that is very, very close to being greenlit for production and may be in the next, uh, in the next month. That, that may actually take a bit of a hit because we're basically talking with an uh, animation studio in India uh, about partnering and investing in the project. And depending on where they're at, that may slow that project down a little bit. But my, um, my executive producers on that particular project are like full steam ahead. We've got most of the money we need. Uh, and what's happened is a lot of studios very quickly, like very, in the very early stages of this, like two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, you know, before the state of the emergency declarations by Ontario and some of the other provinces and, and the city of Toronto, uh, basically all like decamped their their studios. They, they, they demobilized their animators packed up their rigs so packed up their their packed up their computers packed up their cintiq uh drawing tablets and sent them all home uh and all of these animators set their rigs back up in their apartments and in their homes and uh and and they you know they've all got like high-speed internet so they're basically still doing their weekly quotas of animation now doing it from home you know there was a time uh, and certain producers, I think, who would have been super uncomfortable with a situation like that, um, you know, having their entire studio not 
in a single place where they could watch and make sure their animators were actually all doing their jobs. Um, but I think right now, uh, because of the way the world is, you know, the animators are happy to have the work uh, for the foreseeable. They're 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 motivated to continue to do the work from home, um, and the state of the technology and, and high speed internet is such that we can really do most of the production pipeline uh, in, in a decentralized, you know, work from home fashion. The one thing I think that's going to be challenging the longer this goes on is voice recording though, because that typically you need a really, you know, you need a, to get a good quality record of the voice of the actor. And depending on the type of production, you sometimes want actors in the booth with each other feeding off each other, especially if your show has a little bit of improv uh, to, the, to the comedy. Um, so you want to do multiple takes and you want them sort of like feeding off each other. A show that comes to mind, it's not in production anymore, but uh, Rocket Monkeys for Teletoon, which I did a little bit of work on in early days. Um, Sean Cullen, who's a master improv, improv improviser. Um, and then the other, I forget the name of the other actor who played the two main characters, but they, they were always recorded together because they would riff off of each other and they were playing brothers who were always beating the hell out of each other. Um, so I think that may take a bit of an impact. I know a lot of just, I think there's probably looking at workarounds. Um, so be curious how that sort of plays out, but for the, for the, the time being, most of the, most of the animation, most of the major animation studios in here in Canada are all still running. I've seen job postings for looking for animators, which means that the, a series is ramping up. Um, so it, it doesn't seem to be slowing us down at the moment. Um, just going back to what you're talking about, about um, maybe uh, producers being a little bit hesitant to have sort of like a spread out uh, animation sort of, uh, you know, instead of being in a studio, being spread out everywhere. We, we've kind of got a similar thing where I work, where, uh, you know, normally we're in the same newsroom. Now we're editing from, you know, home. So we're spread out all over the city, all over the country. Um, and I think it's working really well. Um, and I'm wondering if, you know, there will be maybe, maybe this will, uh, this situation where now we'll, we'll sort of facilitate a change where, animators, you know, maybe producers will start to trust the animators if they continue to deliver and, you know, not sort of think they're goofing around all the time. And maybe if you are an animator who prefers to work from home, uh, then that will uh, be an option going forward. Yeah, I can, I can certainly see that. I think, you know, it's, uh, when you're a freelancer, a huge part of being a freelancer is, is building relationships with your clients. Um, you know, and, and in the creative fields, there's so much sort of trust and, and having a bit of a relationship shorthand uh, involved in the business. Uh, on the writing side, you know, unless we are hired into writing rooms, which is more prevalent in live action, although there are more writing rooms in, in animation, we typically are always just off on our own at home. And, you know, we get, you know, we get paid X number of dollars for a script and, and the expectation is that you won't deliver it uh, in the, you know, to the schedule that the, the producer has, has set out for you. Um, but, you know, there's, there's still a, a, a bit of a leap of faith there. Um, and, you know, that, and that's one of the reasons why it's so challenging for, you know, young newbie writers to break in because you need to develop that, that trust with your, your client that you'll deliver the goods um, and that you can a deliver quality and, and b deliver on time, um, and I think that you know that used to be the case with the animators. You wanted to you know you wanted to be able to oversee them. You know it's like a factory. Um, you know you want the you know you want the gantry you know position look overlooking the the, the workers on the shop floor to make sure that they're they're doing their work. Um, but as I said, the technology has changed. I think I think it will. Um, I think it will facilitate some change. There is still something to be said for having a studio environment, having a lot of animators in the same place, you know, working at their own pieces. But at the same time, and this is why writers' rooms are so prevalent, especially with sitcoms. There's something to be said for having several minds 
you know, several brains focused on on a task and working together and jamming off of each other. And I, and you do get that in an animation studio as well, where, you know, artists will be like, hey, I can't figure this gag out for this scene. Uh, you know, I can't figure out the staging of it. And they can go to their, their buddy next door uh, or, or her buddy next door and, and say, you know, do you have an idea of how to make this gag work or how to make this funnier? And you do get a, you do get a bit of a sort of hive mind and a plussing of, of comedy. So, you know, I think, I think it's going to, I think it'll definitely change some, but I, I mean, who knows where this is all, where this is all going. Um, but there is something to that sort of organic, you know, jamming with each other, both on the animation side, on the writing side that, that does make projects, uh, can make projects, you know, better, funnier, more fast paced and, and visual. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm really curious to see how this all ultimately plays out. But you, and you don't think that, uh, you think like sub, uh, tools like Zoom or even like Slack or something like that, they're poor substitutes for, for having those kind of uh, one-on-ones or? I, I don't know that they're poor substitutes, but there's just something in the spontaneity of, you know, like just, you know, I mean, we, you and I, we've both done, done improv. When you're, when you're in a room with a bunch of people sort of jamming on an idea and something just, you know, a turn of phrase or a look or something can just, you know, take the scene in a, in a, in a different direction organically. I think sometimes that organic spontaneity is a little harder through, you know, mediated means like Zoom or Skype because I, just, I was just watching... Um, they were doing a what we do in the shadows marathon yesterday and it was the vampire i don't know no, sorry spoilers but it's been out for a while there's the vampire council scene where they skype in wesley snipes and of course the sky the skype is terrible and he's like it's not my wi-fi you know my wi-fi is the best this is a hotel wi-fi and and they're like wesley wesley we've already talked about the human food we're moving on we're moving on right and so you know i think sometimes that happens with skypes you know and with with video chats, if your if your Wi-Fi falters or the feed falters, you lose out a little bit on the on the spontaneity of just picking up you know picking up on a phrase or or a, or a, or, a, or, a, or a look. Um, but but it, I mean it's you know it is working. I've been um, I've been writing a, a sitcom with a friend of mine, um, and we've been we've been FaceTiming or we've been Skyping every uh, every couple of days uh, to 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 jam the jam on the story and jam on the scenes and, and punch it up and, and break story. Um, and it, and it does work when it works well, it, it works very well, but there's always, uh, you know, the, you know, it, the, the technology, you know, sometimes drops in it and it sometimes, you know, it can be frustrating as well. I've, I've actually done quite a few virtual writers rooms with a story editor who works out of Brooklyn that I work with a lot. And again, when they're, when all the technology is working and he's, his, his Wi-Fi is strong. It's great, but when it isn't, it can be incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Especially when you're trying to get that groove going, you know, on a story and on jokes and on coming up with gags and everybody feeding off each other. Right. Um, one thing that Curtis and I talked about in a previous episode was um, Disney X, Disney Plus, and I was wondering if I ask you what your take or what you're seeing with all these streaming services coming up and you know, the, the, the battle lines are being drawn because content is king when it comes to these streaming services, like how much more difficult is it to pitch shows? Because I guess, you know, with Disney, they have their camp of, of animators and their camp of shows. So they're not really, I don't know if they're accepting outside stuff from folks, someone like you, but yeah, I, it, I think they are. Um, okay. That's good. I haven't pitched them in a while. And it's funny, funny story. Um, I, another project of mine that I had under option, um, and, I, and I'm, I, I won't say any names because uh, I'm under a non-disclosure agreement on this, right. but uh, um, I had another project I co-created with, with another guy, um, and we had it under option to a Canadian production company. And um, Basically, they pitched it around. It didn't get traction, and they weren't getting traction on animation in general. So they decided that they were getting out of animation. And basically, so my partner and I, we got the rights back on the project, which is great. It's all amicable. Um, literally, Friday night, 
I get it. I was, so I was actually supposed to go to LA last week. I, I had a trip booked. Uh, my partner was going, who you both know, um, was going to a conference, a library conference in LA. So I was going to tag along. I was going to go down a couple days early and I was going to book up and I was in the process of booking a bunch of meetings when, when all this came down. So like I canceled the trip three weeks ago. Um, and, uh, so, and I would have been back today. So Friday night, I get an email from this producer who gave me the rights back to my project and, uh, had, uh, the email had said, we just had a great conversation with HBO max and they're, you know, putting a lot of money into, uh, they're putting a lot of money into animation and, um, and so what do you say we give your project one more try? And I was kind of like, seriously, you, you know, you, 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 you told me you were getting out of animation <laughs> and you gave me the rights back to my project. And now, because you had one call, you, you want to take it. Like I'm, to be honest, it kind of ticked me off. And I was actually going to meet with that guy when I was going to LA. So, and I was going to pitch my project to him, um, kind of knowing that, uh, knowing that HBO Max is going to be, because HBO Max is Time Warner, so they have Cartoon Network um, and they have the Cartoon Network library, but basically all of these services, so that is just a sort of anecdote to emphasize that all of these services are very hungry for content. This situation, and I think I was saying off air before we started, I think what's going to happen with this situation is because so many kids are at home um, and can't hang out and can't play, they're going to burn through their their new episodes very, very quickly, I think. And if this thing stretches out for a few, you know, like the 12 weeks they're talking about here in Canada, um, potentially like all of the new content on, on streaming services like Netflix, HBO Max, Disney plus could all become repeats very, very quickly. And, you know, younger kids will watch, you know, their favorite episode of a preschool show over and over and over again. But the older kids want new stuff and want new episodes. Um, and they can't, the studios can't generate all of the content that they need for these services as wholly owned Disney IP or wholly owned Cartoon Network IP. So they're going to go to uh, independent producers. And, and Canada has a very, very rich uh, and very, very lucrative industry of independent uh, producers producing content. Um, and we still have a pretty robust funding system for it up here. Uh, so I think I think it may be a bit of a boom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, no, curious. Good. Given uh, how expensive it is to make uh, i know i know like if you're disney you know it's worth your while to spend uh you know uh, huge amounts of money on a show like the mandalorian uh, or these marvel shows which we're gonna have to now wait until we get to see them because of the delays in the in production but you know given just how expensive it is to make to make like a top flight television show how how does that position animation where like to me, it seems different from like successful cheap shows like Survivor and things like that. Because is it is it is it true like it's a cheaper alternative, but but because animation is what it is, like the quality can be outstanding, and you can do like a really high quality show for for much less. Uh, yeah, I, to a certain extent, I think. Um, like I don't know for sure, but a show like Castlevania. Um, probably has a pretty high budget um you know could be in the uh, and i i've met with the, some of those producers and and i and and i know that they're like it's i don't know if you watched the last season but warren ellis really tortured his animators on that show with some of the things he wrote um that i could i could see that show being in the sort of four or five hundred thousand dollars an episode um maybe even more um I think like shows like Rick and Morty have primetime live action budgets, like the, because of the cat, the voice casting. And, and, uh, I know, I, I know, I know the guy who used to own the studio that does the service work in Vancouver. He recently retired and, 
and and talking to him like the amount of retakes and and redoing whole redoing wholesale scenes of animation um is very very expensive um so those are the higher range shows um they look like it like the 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 animation quality is amazing and the amount of action and 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 gags that they cram into it is very very high level um but if you look at and then if you look at other shows on on at adult swim those are super super cheap you know those are maybe a hundred thousand maybe two hundred thousand dollars an episode or less and that's everything that's even like that's producer fees and everything um it, you know and, and it's a range i think it budget wise you know it's it's tied to the genre of your show and the and the, the type of you know comedy or action adventure show that you're doing um and 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 the writing um but it, it's it's quite a wide range I wouldn't say it's as inexpensive as reality shows like Survivor. It's it's definitely more expensive than that because you still have to pay writers and you have to pay voice actors. Um, but yeah, you can you can do quality shows that are you know maybe a half to a third of the cost of a comparable sitcom. You know, a comparable live action sitcom. And the upshot, you know, is right now as we've said already that you know. And like production can continue, production can continue through the situation where you can't have five, 10 actors and a crew of 20, 30 people in a, in a room together, in a studio together. Animators are all now working from home. They're figure, I think they're figuring out workarounds for the voice casting to get good quality records of voice casting. So yeah, I, I, I think this could, this actually could be good for animation it's i feel terrible in saying that well but. definitely i think it'll, it'll it's it's forcing a lot of people in general this whole situation to pivot and you know you probably will see higher quality animation because they know we we can do this now and we can pump it out and while well, everyone else is on pause so yeah. this is an opportunity yeah. not to sit around yeah the only just i'll just to finish the, the one challenge the other challenges, though, is animation still takes a fairly long time. Right. Um, you know, it can be, and everybody's pipeline's a little bit different. And I know that the South Park guys had like a pipeline where they could they could have an episode about Paris Hilton, and I sound like I'm dating myself saying that now, but they could have a, you know, they could have a Paris Hilton episode out like a week after whatever, a week or two after whatever her scandal was. But that's that's the rarity and it's because of the style of animation that they were doing mm -hmm. um, and, the, and the pipeline that they had created. So, you know, that's why you, you see shows like even the Simpsons was never super, super timely in its, in its comedy. Like they would do stunt casting with celebrities, but they were never timely in, in tackling issues um, just because it, animation can take up to eight weeks from, for a single episode to be made sometimes 12 weeks from a script being a script story idea being approved uh, through to final animation. And when you're doing 22 episodes or 26 episodes, that's 18 months to, to two years for a, for a season of a show. So there's still that, like we're, I know that a lot of shows are probably going to get, you know, into development very quickly and potentially greenlit for production very, very quickly, but only certain styles of shows could be, you know, you could see, animation and episodes like by the end of this year or early next year so that's that's the other no no that's drawback. a drawback so thank you aaron for coming on the show um we want you to stick around for the next segment so hopefully you have the time um sure. oh excellent so curtis you ready to get your boxing gloves on because i think this bracket's going to get heated Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Or we, we may just agree with each other. <laughs> Maybe like that is. So we are referring to March Madness, or as we leak into April, the Simpsons edition of March Madness. We're down to the final eight episodes. So this is going to only get, get tougher. Um, and the matchups are really interesting the way that they all queued up. So are you ready, Curtis? Mm -hmm. All right. Let's do it. The first one is probably the 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 region of feels if you will because this is two episodes super strong super funny but as we kind of said throughout the last couple episodes it's got some heart to the to the heart of the episode so it is a season two episode of the way we was which is the episode where they do a flashback the tv bus and uh the 
the margin and Homer tell the story about how uh, they met versus season three's like father like clown where the kids get together and re and reunite Krusty uh, with his strange father so I'm gonna take the jump on this because I've wa I've wa I rewatched all the episodes on the final eight, and I, when I was thinking about this this match uh, this matchup, I've got to go with like father like clown. I disagree. Uh, quite. Um, yeah, I would say I strongly disagree with that. I really <laughs> think, I think the, the the way it was the superior uh, episode. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, both are great episodes, you know, don't get me wrong, but in my opinion, uh, I just think that the, the lore building, I think this, this might've been like the first episode where they, where they kind of went into, uh, uh, Marge and Homer's past for any significant amount of time. And it sets up things that happen like seasons and seasons and seasons from this point. And as we've discussed, it sets up uh, Artie Ziff, who is a recurring character, who's uh, uh, always a joy when he's in it. Um, and I just, I just loved how relatable it was for a zany cartoon. Like this is one where they really kind of cut back on the sight gags and that kind of thing, and really told a very um, uh, sort of funny but moving story with characters that you you were just kind of growing to care about at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, as much as I, 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 uh, I, I think I voted for this episode all the way up to this, up to this matchup. But like Father Like Clown, I rewatched that one, and like the depths they go for the for, for the for the humor, like delving deep into the Jewish faith, because there's this one scene where um, Lisa's basically helping uh, Bart research ways to try to get to the rabbi through knowledge. And she's like, you know, I've done all I could unless I need to, unless I need to, unless I've got to learn ancient Hebrew. And then Bart just looks at her. I'm not learning ancient Hebrew. And it's just Bart following uh, Rabbi Krastovsky trying to, you know, he's, he's got a counter for everything that Bart says throughout and until he gets the Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, quote. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Do I get to weigh in? Well, here? Uh, yeah, no, well, well in, in a sec. Yeah. In a sec. Because I, there was another okay. reason why I'm, and I'm not trying to, well, yes, I'm trying to sway Curtis's opinion here as well. Another great, um, another great scene from this is it's, you know what, this, it's kind of funny. I, I, Bart comes off super strong in this episode because he does the phone calls to Krusty and his dad to get them to meet at the deli. And in one scene, um, he he's pretending to be from the French Legion, and he's giving the the the, the military award to Krusty, and he's and he's got his nose plugged, and he's like au revoir. Um, it, yeah. it just like the it's just kind of like a really smart episode, um, and uh, and I, I like the the, the Krusty backstory. Um, and, and it doesn't end off with a gag. Like, it ends off with a big hug and, you know, Krusty being happy, dude, you know, at least for that episode. So, you know, it kind of, it, it leaves, like, a long, it, it leaves, like, it leaves you with something at the episode. Not that the other one doesn't. It's just, man, these are two tough episodes to choose. And I just had to, like, okay, I got to draw a line here. So we are end up with a tie. So we usually ask our guests to break the tie, or we go to IMDb to uh, see which one had the highest rate. So Aaron, do you have a call to make? I, I, for me, it's it's all about like father, like clown, because of that, because of Bart quoting Sammy Davis Jr. and and you know Rabbi Kristofsky saying, "I've never I've never heard my people's plight so uh, <laughs> so eloquently put," and and Bart's like, "It was." It was Sammy Davis Jr., an entertainer like your son. And he's like, how could I have been so wrong? Sorry, I won't do the accent because that would be culturally insensitive. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's like, how could I have been so wrong? You know? um, and, and so that for me is, I, the way we was was good. And Arnie Ziff uh, love uh, as well. But I just, uh, I, I love when they layer in the depths of, of, of Krusty and, and Krusty's story. 
Oh, there you 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 you've heard you've 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 heard it, Curtis. Overruled, but you know that. I, it, uh, I, I hate you both. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like father, like clown goes on to the semifinals against one of the upcoming shows that we're going to be talking about, and this is what I call the movie bracket. So this one's going to be a super tough one too, except I think I've got a, a hard one because I've said to you before, it is probably top three, if not my favorite Simpsons episode, pound for pound. So this is our movie bracket, or it just happened to turn out to be a movie bracket. It is season five, Cape Fear. Sideshow Bob gets taken out of jail. Obviously, it is the whole episode is basically taking scene for scene from the movie Cape Fear, the Robert De Niro version. Great. Sideshow Bob episode pitted up against you only move twice Homer gets a job at uh, Cypress Creek with Hank Scorpio Hank Scorpio being super Bond super villain um, oh my god I'll let you go first Curtis because I think you probably know what I'm picking but I'd like to hear what uh, your pick would be yeah and I think you know what I'm picking as well and uh, <laughs> I'm picking uh, Cape Fear because I think that is pound for pound my favorite episode. Um, again, it's uh, it's so a, a I love uh, Sideshow Bob. Uh, he's a real treat, and I, I'm very happy with the fact that they don't overuse him. Like you know, it's whenever Kelsey Grammer's around, I guess, and feels like doing it. But uh, uh, so it's always a big uh, treat for me when he's in an episode. And I think this is his finest episode. And they do such a great job of parroting um, not only the Cape Fear movie, but the HMS Pinafore and uh, the uh, and the Ernest uh, movies. They're all parodies of all layered into uh, into this episode. It's it's got a lot of really good sight gags. Uh, Sideshow Bob gets uh, abused in every single way possible. The rakes. The rakes and My favorite, of course, and I know we've talked about this before, is when he's lying on the road. He's trying to terrorize they're you know, the, the Simpsons are in witness relocation program in Terror Lake. He's trying to terrorize them. And he's lying in the street. He goes, you know, he says to Martin Lee, so what's the harm of lying in the street? And then he gets crushed by a by a parade of elephants that are celebrating Hannibal's crossing of the Alps. But but the funny thing is is each so, each elephant has a different word. Yeah. <laughs> Hannibal. Crossing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah. even the has its own elephant. It's it's the it's the music as well. And the movie the, the movies the movie theater scene was hilarious. Just just with Homer like outdoing Sideshow Bob. Um it's also him writing with uh, that great scene where he's writing Bart all these letters from jail with his own blood. Yeah. And then, oh, I forgot who he's writing to at the end. It's not to Bart, but he passes out. It's like, like this American life or something. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. <laughs> and he passes out and he's like, you know, he's like, use a pen sideshow, Bob. Yeah. But, yeah, so oh. Snake but, is a cellmate. So, but, oh man, I, I, I go back and I watched You Only Move Twice. Again, Hank Scorpio shows up in one episode. Uh, this is uh, Albert Brooks. He's basically using the same, well, his voice, which is basically um, the father from Saving, uh, uh, sorry, Searching for Nemo. Sorry. Uh, help me out here. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Right, right. Thank you, Aaron. Um, and the, this, the whole thing about how Homer finds like total happiness. He's in his like perfect spot, and the rest of the family is tortured uh, because Lisa's allergic to everything. Marge is turning into a quote unquote alcoholic because she can't do. She has nothing to do, and Bart's in the remedial class, um, and he's not getting in trouble at school as a result. Um, but just love the Hank Scorpio, like the greatest boss in the world, just happens to be the the supervillain. Um, again, tons of weird gaggy jokes, uh, but there's that one scene where Homer's walking away and he's kicking the rock while, while all this chaos is going around him as the government's raiding Scorpio's base. Um, I don't know, like, I, again, another, both very tough, both great episodes, uh, in their own right, uh, but I gotta stick to my guns like that. I, I think I told you when I 
when I uh, first got Disney Plus, I think that was the first thing I watched was I, I, I said, because I don't think Callum's had seen that episode. So I sat him down. And I said, OK, I know you're becoming a big Simpsons fan. You have to watch this episode. Um, so, yeah. So, again, we're in a we're in a, a deadlock here. Aaron, we'll need your uh, right. input. Right. Um, yes. So, you know, I, 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 I agree. This is this is a really tough one, you know, because. The, the, I, I love the Hank Scorpio episode. I love, you know, I just, all of the reasons you mentioned and the fact that at the end of the episode, you know, Homer gets, Homer gets the football team that, that, that Scorpio promised them, but it's the, it's the Denver Broncos, <laughs> exactly. not the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> You know, so it's, it's it was, that. Uh, just a note to go on to win two Super Bowls after the, uh, <laughs> the airing of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, but I gotta say, it, pound for pound, the Cape Fear episode is way more quotable. I can, I can remember, you know, a couple of the gags um, from from You Only Move Twice, but I to this, and I haven't watched either of these. In, in probably 10 years, but I still can quote probably about 70% of Cape Fear, you know, right from, right from, buddy, I think he's talking to you. Uh, <laughs> now I'm going to step on your toe, Mr. Simpson, or Mr. Thompson, <laughs> and, you know, to, uh, Bart, Bart, do you want to check out my, my new hockey mask and, and chainsaw? You know? Yeah. To yeah. the whole, he is an Englishman. <laughs> like I said, and two. It's 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 it, it was a tough one in, in yeah, for even myself. I, but we we actually we went to we went to see some Gilbert and Sullivan at the at the shop or at the Stratford Festival, and I knew all of the songs <laughs> in '84 because of because of. Um, Simpsons. So I got I got to give it to Cape Fear. Okay, no no and and I, I you're not you're not I'm not you know I I'm I'm heartbroken and if I could do a lifeline challenge to bring it back I would but uh, I we didn't set one up at the beginning. So Cape Fear moves on. <laughs> and this is going to be a tough one because we got to think about this for next episode Curtis. It's going to be Cape Fear versus like Father like Clown. So oh, the gloves are going to be off. Gloves are going to be off. Exactly. Lots of lots of clowns episodes there. But um, if we if Aaron could not have decided, this is a tough. This one's interesting uh, and fun fact. If Aaron could not decide, or if Aaron wasn't here, I checked the ratings on IMDb. Those two episodes that we just talked about, Cape Fear and You Only Move Twice, probably had is the two highest rated episodes. Of the entire series with a 9.2 on IMDb for both of them. Wow. So IMDb wouldn't have helped us. We would have had to like gone to rock, paper, scissors, or I don't know. That's a, that, that's a, that's a tough matchup for, uh, for the quarterfinals. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's how it is, man. That's, that's how it is. That's how it is. Okay. Let's move on to the East bracket or whatever we want to call it. This one, um, I think this one's probably gonna be a slam dunk because as we were saying, as we get into the later seasons, it's it's tough when you're going up against an earlier one. So this is the city of New York versus Homer Simpson. So the boys go on a bender and Homer's car is booted and parked in front of the World Trade Center and he has to go and get it. Versus a season one episode, Krusty gets busted. This is the first time you see Sideshow Bob where he frames Krusty for the crime that he did not commit. Um, I'll go first. Uh, I don't think you can really beat anything in that episode, especially it's, again, another uh, Sideshow Bob episode, so I'm going to go with Krusty Gets Busted. As much as I like the Krakalash guy, uh, <laughs> and and that whole segment, like the, the... I don't know if, Aaron, if you've seen this episode in a while, if you have memory of it, there's this great... Um, scene in it where Homer is uh, recapping why he hates New York and it's it's a silent film played to uh, the entertainer and basically all the bad New York stereotypes Homer encounters within like a span of what thir uh, a minute and a half yeah. <laughs> my favorite is when when there's like that marquee outside like Radio City Music Hall or some iconic building that's like crime up 3000% <laughs> 
and then the chuds came after me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Curtis, what's your call? Yeah, I mean, let's keep the Sideshow Bob slash Krusty theme going and go with uh, Krusty Gets Busted. Uh, I love that New York episode. It's um, um, one of my favorite later, uh, I say later in, you know, what, that's a qualified state, you know, so like season, when is that one, like season eight or nine or something? Uh, like it's season nine. Season nine, yeah. So it's one of my favorite episodes from that sort of late in the show's uh, lifetime. Um, but Krusty gets busted. Like we've talked about it before. It just has uh, uh, so much good stuff, and it's. I I I think I've shown that I'm kind of uh, have, have a soft spot for episodes that build on the overall mythology. Right. And this is definitely one that does that. All right. Yeah, I, I would have gone a totally different way here, and I would have <laughs> gone with the city of New York versus Homer Simpson. Because of Crab Kalash, because <laughs> New York's that away, Mister. Um, be, because of uh, uh, because of all of the things uh, that you said, and oh, I had like one other. There was one other. Oh yes, yes. So um, Allison and I have a mutual friend who will remain nameless, um, who who had been out on a on a bit of a, a bender, and or, you know, out on a and and was on basically was on the Queen streetcar. Um, and realized he wasn't going to make it home to, and really had to take a pee badly. So he got off at Ashbridge's estate on, on Queen, just near where the, 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 the TTC uh, terminal is, went and had a pee in the bush and then got back on the next streetcar. And to this day, we call it, we walk past that place. We call it Flushing Meadows. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot about the, uh, the dream sequence that he has. Right. And yeah, yeah, he, yeah. it's like, it's, yeah. it's almost like reminiscent of the land of chocolate. He's like skipping through the right. Right. I totally forgot yeah. about that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, crab juice. Versus yeah. Crab juice. Well, yeah. it it it, yeah. it it got this far because of that. You have to you have, yeah. you have to remember that. Yeah. Why did I drink so much crab juice? <laughs> yeah. Mountain Dew. Okay. So, Custer gets busted. Moves forward. It is up against these two up two tough episodes. Curse. I to this minute to the second don't know how I'm gonna vote. I think I have one. I I'm gonna draw a line. I think I have one in mind. But this is. From season three, this is Homer at bat. This is where the baseball strike and and is happening, and Burns recruits a whole bunch of major league players to play on the power plant team as ringers. Versus Springfield, dollar sign for the S. This is Burns's casino. So it's so is, tough. That's a, that's, it is it's tough. Yeah. It is it is so tough because I, I love both episodes, but I'm gonna have I'm gonna I'm gonna draw my line at Homer at bat. I I think um I don't don't really know which one to pick, so just for fun I'm gonna pick the Springfield Casino. Uh, well just you know because, just because I wanna fight. Because <laughs> I know you're I know you're <laughs> like that. So um Homer Homer at bat. You know, we've talked about it for a few a few episodes now. Great episode. The way that they're able to weave these players into the show actually give each one a unique storyline. They, they were not just kind of standing there. And they all had a unique fate that prevented them from playing in the finals, except for Daryl Strawberry. Um, and, you know, the, the inside gags. Now, you, you would have gotten more out of it if you knew uh the players themselves and their their real life personalities um and also you know as you know i'm a sucker for any time the simpsons break out music and that end song when i watched it again and i i i, I was humming it for days after um we're talking softball <laughs> uh but but in any case spring uh, the casino when i rewatched that it's one of the f- one of the funniest things in Simpsons history is, yeah, all those people pitching to Mr. Burns, and it's the British guy. I won't do his accent again. Well, I'll do I'll do her accent, like where he presents Britannia, and then wow. uh, the lady is fresh from the streets of Sussex. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Fresh <laughs> as you <laughs> take, yeah. Get okay. out. Get out. <laughs> um, you know, it's again this this ep- uh, the casino 
heavily layered with a lot of, of depth to it because you have the storyline at home where Homer's trying to be super dad, you know, trying to keep the house in order, helping Lisa with this, uh, the, the, the school project and failing horribly. And, you know, Homer's, you know, and, and Homer is the voice of reason in this episode, right? Um, yeah, to a degree. To a degree. Um, <laughs> the whole, the whole Howard Hughes thing was, was also like so on point, you know, we'll be keeping yeah. the jars of urine. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It sounds like you're talking yourself into, to the I, casino episode. Uh, well, well, no, I'm 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 gonna let I'm gonna let this one go to Aaron because I think you're I think you're wrong. I'm gonna hold my guns that that baseball episode is so solid as well. Um, yeah, I I I was just off of the episode title. I didn't remember this episode, and I and I actually I just looked it up again because I I only vaguely remembered the casino episode, but the baseball episode was so memorable, but. The casino episode had, you know, your mother's been, you know, your mother's been stolen by a by a monster. I call him Gamblor, and uh, and uh, yes, the you know the spruce moose, the spruce moose, um, get in Smithers. Yeah, all that Howard Hughes stuff is great. Right? Oh. Yeah, that that's all. It, it's, but I do think I I just I have just incredibly fond memories of of watching Homer at bat when it first aired like you know what 30 years ago and and watching it and 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 you know and the whole like mr burns telling wade boggs to cut his sideburns uh to the point where he shaves like he shaves <laughs> up to the top of his head i yeah, I, yeah. I i think i gotta give it to homer and, that. and and that's the reason why he he's not allowed to play that's the funny yeah. thing yeah yeah no no it's yeah, I, 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 I do like i do like all the peril that all the players tend to find find themselves in uh, like you like I think you were mentioning uh, last time uh, that each each one they managed to to fit in a, a storyline for each guy, which is which is pretty impressive. They they um, you, that's some that's some that's some solid writing, right? And also yeah. like something that like one of the smartest things again goes to the writing back in the day, and I'm surprised that Aaron you didn't bring it up. It's um. It's it's the fight it's the fight in the in Moe's with uh with Barney right oh yeah pit yeah it's like <laughs> pit the elder yeah you asked for Wade Boggs yeah where they're yeah, yeah they're debating who's the better private British prime yeah. minister yeah. Well, Lord Palmerston or pit yeah. the elder Lord yeah. Palmerston yeah um, yeah like that's just such a such a, a funny thing like I I doubt that Wade Boggs cares about British <laughs> but maybe he does maybe he's a researcher. <laughs> That he's a big British historian or whatever. But I just love the fact that that would be a reason why somebody would be able to play on the company softball team. Or or get into a bar fight. Yeah, get into a bar fight with the local local rubby about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I could have gone either way with those two. I I, I like both episodes a lot. Um, yeah. So okay. So just out of curiosity, so. Uh, just looking up the IMDb ratings for both episodes just to see what the fans out there are saying. Um, so eight point it was a eight point seven for Homer at bat. Eight point six, so it would have went to Homer at bat regardless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a, a, a worthy matchup. A, a worthy matchup. Um, and uh, I hate to see you know it go, but. That's that's the way it is, and there was there was also uh, we did have some stipulation there, and just to kind of let you know, we we didn't include any of the Treehouse of Horrors or any of the recap episodes. We thought right, that would be kind of right, cheap, so right, so right. that that's that's why if you're wondering, right. where uh, did um where did the critic episode fall? There was this is one thing that that I want to touch on maybe before the final is a few of the episodes that did not make the original list. Did, yeah, didn't even yeah. Right. So the critic episode, Marge versus the monorail. Right. At least the substitute. Those right. are, but there's just too many. Like you know, yeah. you, we, you we, know we, we, I, guess, we, I guess you could almost do like an honorable mention list because yeah. you know because I mean you know like you know Barney Barney's film had like you know pathos and, and empathy, but football in the groin, uh, football <laughs> in the groin. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I that episode uh, when it when it first aired in the '90s, I loved that episode. Like I would quote that episode all the time. Uh, one of the later ones I like is the one where uh, George Bush moves into town. You know, there's there's 
there's, there's just, there's, 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 there's so many. Um, and when I made the original, uh, 16 or it was just, it was, it was tough. Like, it was just like, who do I pick from this season? And it, it, there's certain seasons like season five, season six. And you're just like, I can't. And it came, just came down to the point where I was just like, okay, I just, we're just going to put them down and yeah, we'll have a, a future episode where we'll talk about ones that did not make the list. Maybe not talk about how they would have fared, but just talk about the merits of those ones and on on their own. But we yeah. have our we have our our semis, and it's going to be a tough one. So you're going to do your homework there, Curtis, for the next episode. It's like Father Like Clown versus Cape Fear, and Krusty gets busted versus Homer at Bat. This could be four, four excellent episodes. Four four excellent episodes, and I it's not a surprise that these guys are there. So, but we'll have to wait for another episode to to finish this off. Um, so normally we would have our little video game segment, uh, Curtis, but uh, since we did have our guest and we we're a little sh uh, short on time right now, I did want to kind of talk about one thing. Um, I picked up Death Stranding. Ah, hey. Yes, I have I have thoughts on this. Um, <laughs> okay, so sorry, just because we're just quickly because I know you're running out of time, and because we're working from home, we're all working from home. Yes. So basically, I'm playing three games right now. I'm playing GTA Five Online. Right. I'm playing uh, Red Dead Two Online, and I'm playing Death Stranding. And in all of these games, all of these games are basically work. <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I'll, I, I go into GTA 5 I played a little bit with our friend KJ the other night but basically I go into GTA 5 to check out my club I go to the casino to try and win a car and get my bonus and then and, and occasionally I'll move some product and Red Dead I you know I move some product from my from my moonshine distillery I stock up my my um, you know my uh, animal I, I hunt some animals and give them to Crips to make product and then I move the product and death stranding. I, I basically ship, I ship product, I ship containers around. So all of the video games that I'm playing right now are basically work. <laughs> I, 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 I actually got a copy of death stranding review way back. Uh, I told them that I, I was really busy at the time. I probably wouldn't be able to do it, but I sent it to me anyway. But I've only started to play. I only played around with it a little bit and it, it, I, I liked I liked uh, the the sort of overall feel of it, but it, yeah, I guess it just didn't grab me overall. Um, I'd, I'd I'd like to go back to it sometimes. Um, so but tying into what Aaron's saying, I'm, I'm playing another game that's well. Work. Well, the funny, well, yeah. <laughs> well, the funny, well, the fun, the funny thing, the funny you say that, Aaron. So I'm about let's say an hour into Death Stranding, um, and. You're right, Curtis. It is crazy sci-fi. Like, this is the type of sci-fi that if you are a fan of sci-fi, you would be gushing over it because it is, like, so out there. You know, the, the the story and what's going on. But then, I yeah, you you kind of you kind of hit it on the head, Aaron, or you, you confirmed my suspicion. I was like, hold on. Why is Sam a courier? And then I started to myself, oh, my God, am I just spending hours going from this point and this point and dropping stuff off for people. And just, I, I so I kind of had that fear. Your balance. And I, yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of had that fear and I was like, Oh, but the story so far is pretty good. You know, like I'm, I'm yeah. kind of, it's, 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 it's so out there, but the fact that you're right, the fact that his primary job in the world is a courier, not to mention that you do, you know, you're in red dead or some of these other games like Skyrim and you're doing these pure later missions just because yeah but it sounds like this guy is a pure leader guy in the future but yeah. but but, yeah. but but poor norm reedus eh he like the that the japanese uh uh producer probably just said oh can we just get the guy from walking dead and don't make him look any different we we want we want <laughs> we want him to be in our post-apocalyptic uh, uh video game as the guy from walking dead yeah. Well, I think I, I might be mistaken. This, but I think Norm Reedus might be a bit of a, a bit, a bit of a Japanophile. Because uh, when I was in Tokyo, I went to this place called the Robot Restaurant, and it's like medieval times, but with anime girls and robots and stuff. And so they had all, all like the signed, um, 
sort of pictures of all the celebrities that have been there. He was one of the few Westerners I saw, and also he was on there twice. <laughs> so they just they 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 love the uh, the the unkept beard and uh, greasy hair. Yeah, absolutely works for them. Well, okay, so. I'm going to give it some more time and Curtis, maybe in the next episode, well, I'll talk a little bit more about Death Stranding and is it basically super fun game or did I just buy a pure later uh, simulator? Well, I'll just say I'm about five hours in now and it does start to open up and, and like, you know, abilities and vehicles and, and, and a form of, of weaponry and that it, um, and the missions do change a little. So I think it, it's worth it's worth grinding it out for the first couple of hours to, to, to get to uh, the game opens up and the, and the story opens up more too. So I, I, is the soundtrack still like 100% emo or does that yeah, change? No, it's, well? it gets, it gets even more emo. Like, you know, just, when you think, just when you think it's like, okay, Connor Oberist, bright eyes, you know, it's like, how could this get more emo? And, and it gets way more emo. <laughs> Looking, yeah. look at, looking forward to it. All right. Yeah. So that uh, concludes another episode of Existential's Cucumber. Thank you to my co-host uh, Curtis Withers, and thank you, Aaron, for your time this week. Appreciate you uh, spending it with us and enlightening us. And we'll my see pleasure. you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our flashback episode. Curtis and I will be back for season two next week. So just remember that sometimes a cucumber is just a cucumber. <laughs>